Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast today. We are lucky enough to be joined by Benji Ridholtz, a thread maestro for Knicks Film School, a fantastic writer for the Strickland. Alex, what are we going to talk to Benji about today? We got a lot on the docket. We're going to talk about the young players on the Knicks. Who would we rather keep behind after a Donovan Mitchell trade to play with Donovan Mitchell? Who would be the best fit in that new world? Talk about the urgency level of what, how we want to get the deal done and you know when and what we're willing to give up to make it happen. And also talk about R.J. Barrett's upcoming extension, how much Benji would give him, how much we all would give him, and maybe an interesting contract proposal. I'll toot my own horn by me. Coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on, Nick. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And who are we? I am Gavin Shaw, a play by play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor in chief of the greatest Knicks website out there, the Strickland. And we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. And uh, without further ado, Alex, because it's a fantastic conversation, I will toss it over to our chat. With Benji Ridholtz. Enjoy this episode. Enjoy another one coming up with him tomorrow. A whole lot of Ben in your feed starting right now. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by a Locked On Knicks Hall of Fame guest. It is Benji Ridholtz, a thread maestro for Knicks <laughs> Film School, a writer for the Strickland. Uh, Benji, man, it's been a, been a couple of months. Good to have you back. Uh, you've knocked out Great threads in uh, recent weeks on Jalen Brunson, Isaiah Hartenstein. I'm hoping we get one on Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. in the near future. Uh, how's it going, man? It's going great. Everything's good. It's great to be back with you guys. Missed you guys. It's been a couple months. You're right. Um, and yeah, just deep in the deep in the Mitchell weeds right now, trying to think about when, if this trade doesn't actually happen, how much tape is on the cutting room floor here. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. You know, you can you can release like uh, a, a, like a Jerry Sloan account and just like post like <laughs> yeah. a th- thread for jazz fans, maybe. Hey guys, we're keeping him. Here's who we got. <laughs> There's much less competition on jazz Twitter. I feel like I could probably stand. Maybe that's the move. Just start, start, if, over, start over over there. If we've learned one thing, their fans are rabid, so uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll be into it for sure. But hey, Knicks fans are <laughs> as well. And and we'll start there, Benji. Um, as someone who again has has really dove deep on those new acquisitions and has figured out a lot of little nuances of both of their games. And uh, like Alex and I has a real appreciation for the Knicks young talent. Uh, I want to start on a happy note. Uh, How optimistic are you about the Knicks next year? Mitchell trade, no Mitchell trade. I'm not even just saying in terms of record, just, just the vibe. How how are you feeling as we get closer and closer to next season? Yeah, I think you are going to watch a much better product next year. Like full stop. That's the baseline. And for me, as a as a Knicks fan, a basketball observer, someone who's going to watch every game once or twice, um, that makes a huge difference. That's really exciting. Both Brunson and Hartenstein are 
really smart, heady, good ball players. They'll introduce ball movement. They'll introduce driving to the rim. Um, stuff that the continuity and possessions that the Knicks really struggled to, to generate last year. So kind of like a short form, forgetting about amount of wins or what this means or whether it's good to be in the middle or not be good to be in the middle or whatever. all that aside, I am very excited to watch those two guys introduced to the talent that's already on the roster. And that's a great thing. So I'm first off, you said you were going to watch the tape one or two times. You got to watch three to get on Tibbs's level. Remember that. So you got to find time to watch it a third time or else it doesn't get, count. I give it up on satisfying Tibbs. It is what it is. We are where we are. <laughs> well, speaking of Tibbs, I actually want to ask a quick follow-up to that because you said like, you expect, you know, a higher level of basketball on the floor this coming yeah. year with even with no Donovan Mitchell, let's just say it's Brunson and Hartenstein added to, you know, most of the core from last year. Let's say even Julius Randle's still on the team, whatever. How confident are you in in Tibbs going into the early stages of next year? Do you think with a guy like Brunson who really kind of profiles as his ideal what he likes out of a point guard, a guy that can drive in, that can finish at the rim, that can create out of those situations? Um, what do you think about how Brunson and, and the acquisitions on the team, you know, finally a stretch five of some sort in Hartenstein could potentially help Tibbs revitalize himself? Or do you think things are too far gone there? Yeah, there's a lot to that question. Let's take Mitchell aside for a second and assume no Mitchell, because uh, mm-hmm. I think I think Brunson's a perfect guy for Tibbs except that he's not necessarily going to guard at the point of attack. And the assumption would be that he'll, he'll be hiding somewhere. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, you're exactly right. He's a guy that's going to get into the pain. He's going to make the pass. Um, he's going to keep the ball moving. He's not a full dominant player, which is really good for a guy who's going to play with RJ and Julius, who both need the ball a substantial amount. Um, part of it's just going to come down to Julius Randle. He's on the roster. Like it is what it is. And Tibbs failed, I think, I don't think anybody's really arguing anymore that Tibbs failed to control Julius Randle, make him into a productive basketball player, keep him outside of his own head. Um, so it, it does kind of start and end with Julius Randle, and that's going to be essential. And we'll see if he's on the roster. I think we'll see early on, like, what is what are we getting from this guy, and is he willing to play a different way? Assuming that Julius Randle is a good basketball player again, which we're all hoping for. I, I do think it's possible, but we'll have, you know, jury's out. I, I am optimistic and something that I'm going to be working on in the next few weeks is kind of going back into the old Bulls tape post Derrick Rose or, or during Derrick Rose's injury when the Bulls ran their offense through Joakim Noah and Joakim Noah became like an expert high post passer. They, they ran everything through the elbows and that's really where Hartenstein thrives. And I would love, you know, Mitchell Robinson can't do that. And he's going to be on the first unit, assuming, again, the roster is how it's currently constructed. Um, and that's going to be more of a pick and roll centric offense. That's just how it's built with Mitch setting screens and Brunson and RJ and then Julius kind of actions off to the side. Um, that's how that first unit's going to look kind of similar to how it looked last year. Hopefully Brunson just brings enough offense and Julius's improvement can, can and, and hopefully an RJ leap can bring that first unit to like a much better offensive level. But on the second unit, I would love to see Tibbs, you know, instead of, as we've had in the past, whether it's Sims or Noel or Norvell Pell for a second, where it's always a diving five, um, except for Taj on occasion, but even Taj generally just ran pick and roll dives. Um, to actually introduce a new type of offense 
uh, new wrinkle where you can dump that ball to Hartenstein, clear the baseline and run cutters around him and try to find back doors. Um, you know, in my thread, I point to Hartenstein had 160 assists last year. The three New York Knicks centers had 113 total. Um, so we're talking about a really great big man, a, a great passer at the big spot. And, and you hope and, I, and, and the Noah experience gives me faith that Tibbs can, can, can kind of revamp the offense a little bit around the second unit. And your guys like IQ and OB, that's a really exciting ball movement, um, a ton of ball movement on that second unit. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about that a lot, but I, I think Obi playing off of Hardenstein has the potential to be one of the most deadly cutters in the NBA. I mean, we've seen, like, I had I saw that clip circulating of, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was the play against the Pacers where Derrick Rose tried to zip a pass into the corner to Obi, and Sabonis, like, saw it the whole way, kind of jumped it, but it had so much speed on it, just deflected. Obi caught it, uh, got met by Goga at the rim, and Obi's like, all right, I'm just going to double pump, go around yeah. you like you're not even there. And I think we could see, again, you assuming Obi's on the roster, uh, Hartenstein um, is intact there with him. Uh, that could be a deadly combo. I mean, just like the the chaos Obi and IQ were able to throw onto second units by the second half of last season. And then you, you potentially mix in uh, Derek Rose into that. Yeah, obviously, Hartenstein with his passing. I just It's it's exciting. A lineup that was already, like just by the numbers, one of the best in the NBA last season, introducing yeah. another really good passer. That's that's intriguing. But uh, Benji, I just got you excited about those guys. Now I have to break your heart. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, going, we're going to Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, if the trade is conducted, presumably, um, some of those young guys are going to be on their way out of town. Um, it's a question that's been bobbling around in my mind a lot. Uh, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin. Uh, I, I, I think personally, I, I don't want to do a trade where two of those guys go out. Very possible that the New York Knicks uh, give into that and two of those guys are going out. But let, let's just say we're living in an optimistic world where only one of those dudes gets dealt who would you say is the most essential to keep and who would you say is the player you're most willing to give up out of those three is julius randall on the roster oh uh if you're keeping ob Toppin, you you have a mechanism to get off of julius randall right <laughs> it's a very hard question yeah um, it's not easy <laughs> i think all right guys we're going to take a quick break when we come back with benji we are talking about where our line in the sand is on a potential Donovan Mitchell trade. But first, where's your line on in the sand? I'm making a whole lot of cash. It should be at betonline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline.net continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wager information from live in-game betting to scores and podcasts. They have you covered. And Alex, they now have opening uh, 2022-2023 NBA win totals. The New York Knicks are currently off the board because we have no idea if they're going to have Donovan Mitchell or not, which, guess what, would drastically influence their win total a year from now. As much as we want to find out, Alex, I feel like BetOnline.net wants to find out even more. Uh, but in the meantime... I throw some money on the Milwaukee Bucks. The over/under is fifty-one and a half. Man, I think a healthy Bucks team, prime Giannis out for revenge. They smash that. I think they went closer to sixty games this year. I would throw some money down there. But head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And with that, we will take you right back to our conversation with Benji. I think Grimes is the most important in terms of the fit on a. Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson team. Yeah. Um, 
I don't necessarily, I, 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 not, I don't think Quentin Grimes has the highest ceiling. He may have the lowest ceiling. He might have the highest floor of those three guys. Um, so it's, it's very hard to, to rank them because they're, they're very different archetypes, all three of them. We're not, we're, not, we're not really comparing apples to apples, right? They're such different players, different positions. They bring different skills to the table. Um, with all of those caveats, I, I think Grimes is the one I would be most inclined to keep around because I just kind of know what that's going to be. There's very little risk. He's a year further away from having to, to, to make him money. Um, and to surround Mitchell and Brunson with a guy who's going to make open threes and who's going to be able to guard the best ball handler on the opposing team, maybe with some exceptions because of size, like a Doncic, but generally he's going to guard the best ball handler and allow Mitchell and Brunson to play off the ball. That's really important. So I do think Grimes is, is the guy there. Um, and then second, I would probably say quickly – because I think Obi's path to NBA success, like real NBA starting success, um, is a little bit, I would say it's a little bit harder to find that archetype. Like I, he's a very unique kind of player. I, you know, he's, I kind of put him in like the John Collins kind of archetype and those types of fours, you don't see more of them. You see less of them. And, that's kind of interesting. Like a lot of teams now are just playing four wing or three wings, a guard and a center. A lot of the best teams in the league play that way. Um, so like, what is OB? I have faith that OB can do that. I want to see him do it as a Nick and kind of explore what that potential is and what that player looks like, but it is a bit harder to conceptualize. Whereas Emmanuel quickly, like whether it's on the bench, whether it's as a starter, that's a guy that's going to make an offensive impact every night like and and create advantages on his own he's not a he's a he's a guy who creates as opposed to obi who's more of a reliant kind of player um so again it's not apples it's not apples to apples and like obi does things that obviously neither of those guys can do and i like all three of them but if you're asking me to rank i would probably go grimes iq obi what do you guys yeah, think that's it uh, I kind of agree. I mean it's a painful ranking ranking to have to painful make. it hurts um <laughs> I will say I would maybe, you know, I love IQ too, but I think my preference would maybe be like to keep Obi and have a scenario then where it makes it easier to get rid of Julius Randle and just right. say, because I think that Obi as a starter would fit a lot better with that like core of Brunson, um, Mitchell and RJ than Julius Randle, because unless Julius Randle is willing to take like, I don't want to call it a step back, but sort of a step back in his career, you know, and, and instead of being this primary creator guy that he was during 2021 and that he clearly still wanted to be last year, going back to being like, okay, I could just be like a good passing pick and roll power forward. Like I was in new Orleans a few years ago, because now I'll have a Donovan Mitchell and a Jalen Brunson that I can run pick and roll with. And I was so good at that back then that why did I ever get away from that in the first place? Uh, the answer is probably empowerment, right? Like he got empowered by Tibbs to be like an offensive engine. And, you know, it's like once you have a taste of that, I guess you don't want to give it up. Um, but if he's willing to like eat a slice of humble pie, then sure. But based off last year, I don't I don't find that to be particularly um, feasible. And so in that case, I sort of think keeping Obi would be a higher priority than quickly to me because 
I could see quickly having a great role behind Mitchell and Brunson, but the reality is like he's going to have to be behind those two players and those two yes. guys are going to play 35 to 40 minutes a game probably uh, based off what we know about Tibbs. So how many minutes does that leave for IQ? Maybe 20, you know, when all said and done, because you got to still then find minutes for Grimes. You got to still find, you know, minutes for Cam Reddish as the backup behind RJ, presumably if he's still on the roster. Um, so I, I think, I think I would move Obi slightly ahead of IQ, even though if you were to ask me like, well, which we'll, we will answer in a little bit. So maybe it's a good, you know, segue to start moving towards other questions, but we'll have one more thing to cap this one off. But like, if you would ask me to rank the ceilings of these three guys, I might actually put IQs higher than any of the other two, but I would put them all at about the same likelihood of achieving the ceilings. And I would say that like, in an ideal world, I think that archetype wise, I think that Grimes and Obi offer something more to the Knicks with that that starting backcourt and RJ than you know the other two would. So or sorry, than than IQ would, I should say. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at. But Gavin, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think this is a to Benji's point, uh, a heartbreaking way to look at guys that you've loved. And I mean, that that's the, the torturous part of this whole endeavor, right? It's that the Knicks are finally building in this semi-sustainable way. And now we're saying, and, and probably rightfully because of how you, how you win in the NBA, that like, all right, you, you fell in love with these guys and like maybe they're finally going to get to play and maybe Tibbs is finally seeing the light. But oh no, you got to trade them. It's time. They got to go because we got to bring in a real star. And it's, and it's, he's young. He's 26 years old and he's really good. Um, so you just have to do it. Um, but that being said, Alex basically took the words out of my mouth. Uh, quickly has the highest ceiling in my mind of the three of them. Quickly is my favorite player of the three of them. But I think the question I find myself asking is, which one of these guys leads to a second star or, or maybe a third star if, if an RJ Barrett or, or the two that are remaining uh, can really blossom. Um, but like, who is the guy that like is in the next trade that gets you a, a championship contending level team? If you're moving off one, who do you have to keep? Who are you placing that bet on? That this is going to be the guy that when the next star wants out, he can be the central part of that deal. And it would be quickly, except for the fact that he's going to have Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell ahead of him. So I think his value, almost no matter how good he gets, unless he somehow gets better than Jalen Brunson, but I don't know, I don't see Jalen Brunson ever being the backup point guard on this team with his contract and how good he is. Um, he's never, he's not going to play more than 22 minutes per game. He could be, he could be incredible. He could be all-star level good. I don't, I don't really think there's a pathway for him unless Brunson or Mitchell gets hurt. Um, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, again, to both of your points, less likely those guys get there, but OB at the very least in that starting lineup, I think could emerge as a hyper-efficient 16 to 18 point per game type of guy. And then to Benji's point, Grimes is just the cleanest fit by far um, with those two guys. So I think that's where I'm at on all that. But I, I guess Benji, that being said, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up this Mitchell talk quickly because I'm, I'm sure you, you've, you've talked about it ad nauseum, but I, I'm, I'm curious no. where where your line is um, on a Mitchell trade. I, I think, I, I know I saw Schwinn put this out there. I, th I, I had something similar on like my fake trade, but where a lot of people like converge, I think is somewhere along the lines of three unprotected Knicks picks, throw in like all the extras that Utah wants. One of those young guys, and then just the veterans to make the salary arose. But for you personally, where, where do you say too much versus 
I just want to get Donovan Mitchell in New York. I would probably go to four picks um, if I could keep what if I could keep two of three guys that we talked about, and I would walk away annoyed and upset, but I'd probably still do it. Um, and if it was three picks and two of those guys, I would probably do the same. Like I, that's kind of where I am, and I think I'm a little bit farther towards the. In the end, you got to do what it takes to make this deal than I think probably most are or most that are commenting on this or analyzing this are. Um, I love Donovan Mitchell. I think he's spectacular. Maybe it's because I'm higher on him than I than most are. But I, I, I think he is a spectacular offensive fulcrum at 25 years old who wants to be here. I think that's extremely hard to find. You could say there's another star coming. I think there's more uncertainty to that than people want to admit. Um, that some other star is going to get annoyed and want to come to the Knicks or be in the right age group timeline. A lot of these stars are 31, 32, and you're really mortgaging your future in more ways than one because the star himself doesn't have future. Um, so there's a lot of baggage there, like when you kind of kick the can down the road again. Uh, and I respect the people that want to be patient. I am less patient. So I, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. When Just to be clear, when you say like three or four picks, do you mean like, the Knicks own picks or do you mean like yes 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 okay yeah all right yeah that's where that's where things start to get real when it's like potentially three or four like unprotected or very lightly protected Knicks picks that's where you really very much yeah it looked like like I'm if I'm the Knicks I'm not offering that right now I'm saying Mm -hmm. you know in this theoretical world where a negotiation comes to one single point and you have to either walk away or make the deal which isn't really how it works but if that was how if, if it really came down to it you know um, obviously I'm negotiating the hell out of this, trying to get, trying to move as, as you know, as much as I can hold on to, I'm going to try to hold on to, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like spitting this out and like desperate. I want, I'm happy they're being patient. I'm happy they're trying to, they're getting into the staring contest. Um, I, I think there's risk in, in waiting longer than before this season. I, I think there are potential teams that come out of the woodwork that you don't expect. You never know. Um, so I do want to get it done, but that's yeah. I, I am. I want him. I want him here. I want him here. Yeah, I think one of the last possible things you want to happen, as unlikely as I think it would be to happen, is that you wait it out through the season, and then you know you run into a situation almost like what Washington has had with Bradley Beal, where like Beal has like softly demanded a trade allegedly behind the scenes a few times, and like. The, the Wizards have like shopped him a bit and there's been all these reports about like, oh, well, they might trade him to so-and-so or, so, right. you know, such and such. And then in the end, you know, he gets on the court for them again and then he's like, you know what? Never mind. I want to stay here again. <laughs> and now give me $50 million. Yeah. Give me $50 yeah. million, then I'll stay. And, and you I know, no trade Jazz, clause. Yeah. And the Jazz in a couple of years will be in that position. So, if, you know, yeah. if they would hold on to him for like this season and then starts getting towards extension, then maybe Donovan would be more likely to be like, you know, $50 million doesn't sound too bad. So we'll see what happens there. But yep. uh, Benji, we've got some mailbag questions that we've not gotten to yet uh, right. for this month. And we're excited to get into some of these with you. This first one uh, is one that I specifically picked for you because I knew that you wrote something that is pertinent to this uh, for the Strickland recently. And so I figured you would be a good person to talk this out with. RJ Barrett Defense Brigade on Twitter, at uh, Barrett Brigade 9. It has two questions, but the first one is gun to your head. Do the Knicks sign RJ to an extension this offseason? The deadline is October 17th. 
you're a betting man, Benji. What do you think? Do you think they'll do it? And then how I know that you've written about this before for those that didn't read the piece, although they should at Strickland. Uh, how much would you be willing to give him? Or what do you think is the number? Mm. Um, yes, I think it gets done. Um, I think it gets done. I think, I think this regime, this whole like family kind of, uh, persona that they've created and this idea that they're taking care of their guys um so far their guys have been external guys actually julius was internal right they took care of him because of what he did for a year and i i I do think it's like extremely important for this team to keep the guy who i think is its foundation its heart um as they're building from the outside i think that's really really important understanding RJ's flaws and the uncertainty around him as a player, which I think is fair and real. Um, he's, he's a really good player who could be a great player. He's a phenomenal competitor, a great guy to have around. He's the guy the Knicks got their lowest pick in the lottery or the highest pick in the lottery. That's the guy they chose. He's been around. He's helped this team kind of revamp its reputation I just think it's really important to bring him back. So that's why I think it does get done. I think they're going to take care of it. Um, how much? I'm, I'm the, the numbers eluding me. What's the, what's the actual max for him? Do you guys know offhand? I think it comes out to 30-ish million. Isn't it like five for 180? Maybe a little higher than that? That could be yeah. off. So, somewhere in that neighborhood, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm going to look it up right now as we're talking it out here. Yeah, I mean, if... if I could see them settling at around like 27 and a half a year, 28 a year. I think that's a really good outcome. Um, it's damn expensive. God, the team's getting really expensive really fast. Um, that's kind of what it is. I don't really care. It's not my money, but I, I think um, if I were him and his side, I would, that's what I'm kind of targeting. I don't think, you look at all the, and this is kind of what Alex, what we, what we talked about in terms of the article that I wrote, the, the, probably the best comparison just in terms of the numbers and where he is as a player is Andrew Wiggins as that. And, and Andrew Wiggins got a full max. Andrew Wiggins was in Minnesota, different place, different franchise. Um, in some ways actually probably showed a little bit more than RJ, at least in terms of like uh, his numbers are slightly better. His efficiency slightly. Neither is efficient at all. But one of them, I think Wiggins is a slightly more efficient player at this stage in their career. Um, I think RJ is probably shown a bit more in terms of contributing to winning in a way that I don't think Wiggins necessarily has. But I, I think that's a fair comp, even though Knicks fans probably don't want to hear it. And I think despite the fact that Wiggins just had a great run and kind of proved himself as a role player, that's what he proved himself as, right? As a role player, as a really good role player, not a max, not a max guy. So uh, you look at it that way. I think you're trying to get a little bit of a discount from the max. And I, I, I think RJ's camp probably recognizes that. I think the Knicks want to take care of him. So kind of close to the max, kind of in that range that I spoke about makes sense to me. So yeah, yes, I think, yeah. real quick, Gavin, just to answer the question, the max, and then I'll throw it to you. Max is five years, $181 million, which would work out to 36.2 annual value, 36.2 million, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's a 30, 30 might be more than if that's again, really, honestly, it was a little bit higher than I thought. So if we're, if we're at 30 million, I think that's probably a number that makes sense. Um, but, you know, look, these salaries are also, they, they become, 
as the cap goes up, they become less and less scary, right? I mean, these are just the numbers that kind of get thrown out now. Like Brunson's salary in three years may look like, or whatever, you know, 20, 26 million. Um, maybe it's 30. Maybe 30 is the number that are, and it's kind of like a nice round number that they may say, we got, we got our guy $30 million a year and the Knicks could say we took care of him. So maybe that's the number. Now I'm in, I'm in total agreement with Benji. Um, I don't, I don't think you have an alternative if you're the Knicks. Like this no. is sort of what you're going forward with, right? Like whether you go in with Mitchell or, or, or you don't go all in on Mitchell. And I don't, I'm, I kind of agree with Benji. I think one way or another Mitchell's going to end up on this team. Um, RJ is pretty essential to that. And the questions you're, you're asking with him going forward, it's it, the Wiggins comparison is interesting, right? Because RJ almost has the opposite problem that Wiggins did in that, um, I don't want to use the term like talent because obviously like they're different players. Like RJ has talents in the basketball court that Wiggins doesn't and, and, and vice versa. But I think shot making with Wiggins was never a question in the way that it is with RJ and with Wiggins, obviously it was, it was heart and it was uh, IQ and it was some um, consistency on defense and yeah. grant, granted RJ had some real issues defensively this past year, but I don't, I don't really have those questions about RJ. The shot right. making is, is really the big question. You're like, all right, do you really want to give a guy who, who, is like one of the least efficient players at his volume, this amount of money. And the answer is hell yeah, because he's really young and he's really good and he scored a ton and he seems to be on an upwards trajectory playing in right around the worst possible context. He could be given his uh, skill set and uh, with different personnel, uh, first Jalen Brunson, next Donovan Mitchell, perhaps, and then maybe a more creative coach offensively and uh, improvement that I think you're, you're right to. I, I think when you give a guy a contract like that, you're saying this is someone who will will move heaven and earth to get better every year. And I, I believe that about RJ Barrett and, on the other hand, to Benji's point, you can use that efficiency in, in those negotiations and say, this is why you're not getting every single cent that you could get, but we believe in you. We love you. And right now for what RJ has done, I would say like pedigree aside, like 30 million is is way too much. But again, that's that's sort of the cost of doing business. And to Benji's point with the new TV deal in 2025, it's 30, what 30 million is today, halfway through that contract is going to look vastly, vastly different. But Alex, what's what's your take on all this? I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe work out something that's sort of an interesting middle ground, right? Like if they do, the Knicks typically try to get team options on things that I don't think would be in in play here because I think you know that that doesn't look too good. Like that's like oh, we're going to give them the full five, right? I mean, they're just going to give it to them. I think I don't think so. Like yeah. I, the more I think about it, the more I think this. Like if they're going to convince him to take a haircut you know, on like, let's go from 36 annual value to like 30, which I think he'd probably be amenable to, you know, he'd still be the highest paid player on the team and $30 million. I mean, I, I don't know. RJ doesn't strike me as the type of guy that would like be like, hell no agent of mine, like make this happen, you know, like, like get me the full max or else I'm going to find new representation or something. Um, he would probably just be like, yeah, sure. That's fair. Um, but I think maybe what the Knicks will do and the way that Leon Rose could sell this is say, Okay, we're not going to give you a a five year, hundred eighty million dollar max deal. What we'll do for you though is we'll do a three plus one deal with a fourth year player option, and we'll make it uh, like three for you know three for ninety, four for one twenty, if you so choose. You know, ascending value, whatever, and that gives you the option to hit free agency sooner if you so please, or to re up for another contract extension if you so please. When there's going to be a bigger TV deal. And you can get more money. Um, so we're betting on you in a way that we're, you know, giving you 
very close to your max here. We're giving you $30 million, making you the highest paid player on this team. But, you know, we still want to see more out of you. And, you know, we hope to give you a lot more money in three years. Um, you know, if you become like a big time max player on a team that's hopefully going to be playing for something with, you know, I would assume at the time they agree to this deal, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, you know, Mitchell Robinson all locked in through that time frame. Uh, plus, you know, whatever other guys they decide they get to keep in the Mitchell trade. And then, you know, the guys they decide to extend after RJ and all that, I think they would say like, we want you to lead this team for a long time and we want to throw it in your court to, you know, potentially make even more than this. Cause we would love to, you know, take care of you with a bigger deal when this new TV deal kicks in. Can I just uh, throw so something in there real quick? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. kind of interested if you're the Knicks and, and Alex, I'll, I'll throw this right back to you. What, mm -hmm. what is your, what is your thought process in terms you go and get Donovan Mitchell, but then you look at RJ and you say, all right, obviously a foundational piece, but in the, in the ruthless world, that is the NBA, maybe a trade chip down the line. Are you saying we, we want him in on a shorter deal because then we could get him on an even longer deal and then he becomes a more valuable trade chip or we want to get him on the full five. So then we can trade him with two, three years left on his contract and, uh, and add that next piece. And of course, in the Knicks perfect world, you never have to confront that because RJ becomes like a, a multi-time all-star and is completely and utterly untouchable, no matter what the context of the team is. But in a world where he is the main piece for that second star or third star, depending on other developments, like what kind of contract do you want him on? I actually think the deal that I just laid out would be a pretty decent um, like middle ground for that, where you can sort of toe the line of like, if you give him that deal, he could, if he starts blossoming, but maybe doesn't fully, you know, turn into like a mega star or something, then you can sell his upside still to another team and say, you know, cause presumably if you're going to be looking for another star to go with Mitchell, you'd probably be looking as soon as like next off season or even like, you know, before next trade deadline or something, be like, now's the time. Like, let's start trying to take advantage of this time that we have with Donovan Mitchell on the team. You know, if RJ's not going to be a long-term piece, we'll start looking for him now or whatever, you know, something like that, which uh, having him on the extension maybe complicates that's a little, that a little bit. So maybe it would be the year after that. But regardless, um, that gives you the opportunity to then be like, OK, you know, let's so let's say it's after the first year of his extension. So two years from now, you could sell that to some team be like, here's two years of RJ Barrett on a what's like a below market value contractor is about to be with this new TV deal kicking in. You know, so you'll get him for this year and the next year and you can build around him. You can offer him whatever deal, you know, to keep him around and all this stuff. Guys tend to take the money more so than hitting free agency these days, as we've seen with literally Donovan Mitchell right now, who the Knicks are trying to deal for. So teams might be into that. Also, though, if he goes more the Wiggins trajectory, which, again, to Benji's point, Wiggins just had a great finals run and, you know, was a really high level role player for the Warriors. Um if he goes that direction, then you don't you don't run into a scenario where like what the Wolves had, where they essentially salary dumped him. Um, and, you know, they he was not treated as an asset in that deal for D'Angelo Russell. He was the salary to match. And no. the, the Timberwolves arguably paid extra just because they had to include Andrew Wiggins in that deal um, because of Jonathan, the length of his contract. Jonathan Kaminga. Right. I mean, that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's that trade. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think all in all, um, if I was if I was the Knicks, I think that that like three plus one deal kind of strikes a nice balance where you can say then like he'll never become an albatross if things don't work out and he doesn't become a star. But he also would still be tradable after like a year. 
And, you know, I would love it better if he just turned into a superstar and the Knicks could just build around him and Mitchell forever. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't and they use him, they want to use him as a piece, like a salary piece, plus sort of like an attractive uh, guy who even at the time of two years from now would still be like 24 years old. You know, he'd still be relatively young in NBA standards. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a good deal to sort of toe the line between you know, giving him too long of a deal versus a deal that's not long enough. One that doesn't look insulting because you're saying like, we want to pay you more in a couple years or a few years. You know, there's, there's a lot of things to go into it, I think, but I, I think that one would work out pretty good. Yeah. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That does maybe strike that middle ground for a kind of unique case where you have a guy who checks a lot of the boxes, but also has a lot of has a few red flags that are kind of frightening. Um, that's that's pretty interesting. One thing I'll say about RJ too is like, assuming Mitchell's here again and you have Brunson on the roster, like having a super strong six seven wing is extremely attractive to me. <laughs> like that's exactly the kind of guy, and it's not that easy to find guys like that. Even though people kind of make it seem like it is, like there aren't that many really good solid six seven six eight wings out there. And like to have RJ Barrett surrounding those guys. Um, you had Grimes. And like, I also wonder, and this is kind of what I was talking about before with Obi, like is the best way to play this to, to have, whether it's Grimes and RJ um, reddish, if he pans out, like just play wings basically with Brunson and Mitchell and then a center behind kind of like the Utah jazz model, except having better perimeter defenders than Utah had around Mitchell so that you can actually stop guys from getting to the paint, not rely solely on your center, but like, is that the best? So you have multiple guys to throw at good ball handlers so that your best offensive players don't have to guard those guys. Um, I, I think that's – so, like, I don't want to do, – like, RJ, the fit makes a lot of sense too. Uh, he's a, he's a, exactly the size and the kind of guy that you want. And if he ends up being that Wiggins-type player where he's not doing as much ball handling as maybe – I'm sure he's hoping now and Knicks fans are hoping he develops that game to a, to a greater extent, is he going to be able to drill 36 37% of his threes – do a great job attacking closeouts and playing really good defense. If it, if, if it's, it's unfortunately not the best case scenario, but it's not a bad case scenario, right? Like that's a really good, valuable player. That's Mikhail Bridges, except probably a little bit better offensively and maybe not as good defensively, but like that archetype, really valuable player, $25 million a year, at least just for that guy. Yeah. So, you know, in that sense, I, I really like RJ and that's one of the reasons I'm kind of like, you gotta, you gotta get it done for the cultural aspect and also just because, yeah, this is a guy I want around as a basketball player too. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the question you always have to ask yourself, how do you replace that guy? You don't, he's, he's yeah. not like whatever the money is. You're not, you're not finding RJ Barrett out there. You, you better, you better save all those first round picks because they're going to find an RJ Barrett type of guy. All right. That's it for today's episode with Benji Ritholtz. Of course you can follow him at Ben Ritholtz NBA he writes for the Strickland. He contributes for Nick's Film School, doing amazing film threads on Twitter. So definitely check him out online. But if you have not had enough Benji, which how could you? Come on. He's such a good dude. He's so smart. He'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk more Nick's. And in this next episode, we took what was just going to be one mailbag question to quote unquote finish things up on. And went about 30 minutes talking about the Nick's young players, what their adjusted floors and ceilings are with all the data that we have available now. So that's coming up tomorrow on Locked on Knicks. But for today, 
we're all finished up. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you all soon. Peace out.